Life Audio. Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity, and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I'm excited to have Dr. Alan Bowman with us. Dr. Bowman is an accomplished hair restoration physician known for his expertise in treating hair loss and his pioneering work in the field. His state-of-the-art hair hospital in downtown Boca Raton, Florida, covers 12,000 square feet and is recognized worldwide for its advanced hair restoration technologies. His dedication to the field of hair restoration has earned him many accolades throughout his career. He is one of approximately 200 physicians worldwide to have achieved certification from the American Board of Hair Restoration Surgery. He has pioneered numerous technologies in the field of hair restoration. Dr. Bowman's expertise has made him a highly sought after speaker and guest expert. He's been featured in hundreds of news stories in the media. Dr. Bowman has also been recognized for his contributions to the field of healthcare, receiving the 2022 Lifetime Achievement Award in Hair Restoration and being named one of the 10 CEOs transforming healthcare in America by Forbes. Welcome, Dr. Bowman. This is fantastic. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Lauren. It's great to be here with you. Uh, For sure. So uh, first, let's talk a little bit about root causes for men and women for hair loss. Um, What would like, like, let's start with men, first of all, what's usually the underlying causes? And where do you kind of start in terms of digging up all of that? Sure. Well, you know, first of all, about 50% of men are going to experience hair loss by the time they age 50. So it's a big concern out there. There are tens of millions of men who are struggling with hair loss. The, The interesting thing is that it's primarily genetic. So in men, we know that it's a genetic sensitivity to their male hormones, specifically dihydrotestosterone, DHT, that triggers the miniaturization, the weakening of the hair follicles over time, and eventually pushes them beyond repair so that they do not provide any coverage by creating the hair fiber. Got it. So over time, anytime after puberty, actually, depending on their genetic propensity for male pattern baldness, they could see a receding hairline or thinning in the crown. And it's progressive. It's chronic. It gets worse with time without treatment. And it can, it can progress to total baldness across the top of the scalp, but usually spares the hair around the sides and the back. Mm-hmm. So we call that androgenetic alopecia. And that's the primary trigger 
uh, or primary cause for male hair loss. Although there's others, you know, there's autoimmune conditions, body hair loss, scarring, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, and for guys, like, let's say a guy comes to you who doesn't have a family history, but he starts losing hair younger. Is there anywhere that you would start in terms of like digging for root cause in that situation? Or what would your first thought be in that case? Well, it obviously depends upon what kind of hair loss they're experiencing. So I do have young male patients who are literally in high school who have a bald spot in the back of their crown. Uh, we certainly look for root cause. In fact, I have an entire functional medicine uh, department inside my practice. So we're looking, yeah, we're, we're looking at everything uh, from sleep-wake cycle disorders to nutritional uh, problems to uh, metabolic diseases and as I mentioned before, there could be autoimmune diseases that could be uh, triggering hair loss and making the hair follicles just, you know, difficult, a difficult job to, to yeah. perform the, uh, the hair growth uh, function. So we're going to be looking at all that. But if there's that pattern mm-hmm. that I mentioned, either receding hairline or balding in the crown, that tells us that there's at least a genetic underlying tendency mm-hmm. and that our primary treatment option might be uh, something to block the androgens in the scalp, you know, whether that's a nutritional or nutraceutical or prescription product, uh, you know, we may, we might go down that road, Mm -hmm. but certainly, uh, we want to look at, uh, lifestyle factors as well, because, you know, some of these young men might be doing things that are boosting their testosterone levels. Um, you know, maybe not even naturally, obviously, but even just resistance training and sports training and things like that can dysregulate hair follicle function. We have a lot of athletes in the practice who seem to have excessive and aggressive uh, male pattern baldness. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. things um, that accelerate it could also be uh, illness. So if they've had COVID recently or multiple bouts of COVID, uh, that certainly dysregulates the circulation and the hair follicles. It creates a cytokine storm if it's severe. If they had a fever, absolutely, we're going to see some shedding. Um, you know, and anything that makes the spike protein, you know, and everybody's favorite jab, uh, include included, uh, you know, can dysregulate the hair follicle. So treated over a thousand COVID hair loss patients. And so my understanding is with COVID hair loss, it's usually has to do with the, the telogen effluvia. Is that also your understanding of it? Or is there more to it than that? Well, telogen effluvium is just the name of a fancy word, really, for hair shedding. When the follicle shuts down and in between the new growth phase, the hair fiber is exuded. It's it's extracted from the hair from the hair follicle and basically falls out. So effluvium is like a wave. So if you have a wave of shedding that's higher than normal, guess what? You get diagnosed with telogen effluvium, but that does not tell you the root cause. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've had that high fever, of course, that can shut down hair follicles. Um, if you've been exposed to, like, say, general anesthesia, that could also be a trigger. If you've had a sudden change in hormone levels, that can also trigger an effluvium. But what's interesting about the effluvium with COVID is that it seems to dramatically accelerate, in many cases, in least cases that I've seen, dramatically accelerate male and female pattern hair loss. Okay. So once you've diagnosed that root cause to say, here was your trigger, like, give me a a couple of ideas of what you might do. Like, let's say somebody has an inflammatory issue such as that, like a cytokine storm, or they have an autoimmune condition. Where do you, where do you begin in terms of helping to calm things down and get their body back to a reset button to where it was before? Yeah, sure. So um, the interesting thing is that we do have some therapies and treatments that could immediately address an effluvium, let's say. So if they did have a COVID infection or dealing with long COVID and shedding or even postpartum, a lot of women, I'm sure we'll get deeper into female hair loss. 
um, you know, we can actually do a treatment immediately to address shedding. And that's kind of different than, than therapies that we've had years ago. We have a treatment called TED, transepidermal delivery of growth factors and peptides using a technique called sonophoresis, which is ultrasound that breaks the stratum corneum or disrupts it, I should say, and allows us to push those very uh, powerful growth factors and peptides right through the skin in office treatment with no needles, no pain, very relaxing, just vibration essentially. And uh, one treatment per month, the first thing that they notice is the shedding starts to slow down and eventually stop. Um, but obviously, you know, from a functional medicine approach, uh, you know, my team will, uh, look at, uh, overall body inflammation, look at the diet, look at, uh, things that are in the environment. I want to deal, if we're dealing with a stressful situation, is there uh, stress management skills that we could use sleep, the Swiss army knife of wellness, uh, is a tool in our toolbox to obviously help that. But there are, you know, even nutritionals that can help with inflammation, curcumin, turmeric, getting on a good probiotic. And we have those under the Bauman brand specifically for hair mm -hmm. and providing good uh, fuel, if you will, and nutrients for good hair growth is obviously critically important in those early stages before we move on to something more aggressive. So, yeah. So, and for a guy where it's just in the family, it happens to everybody at about that same age. If he's had hair loss for a really long period of time, like he's got a full on bald spot, he's not losing it. It's, it's gone. Uh, is there anything that can be done at that point? Where do you, where do you start in that situation? Well, well, look, uh, you know, hopefully we can do some things to protect the hair that he has. But if he's already got a growing bald spot and, and they do get bigger with time, like on the crown, they start small and then they get wider. Um, we will put them on some medical therapy regimen. So if we're dealing with uh, nutrition and nutraceuticals, it could be salt palmetto and some of the other things that I've mentioned. We could put them on a good hair care product, making sure that the scalp is not inflamed. And then we get into other therapies. If it's medications like minoxidil or finasteride, those can be applied topically or orally. Minoxidil is a potent hair growth stimulator for men and women can be used topically as we see from the old Rogaine, but also now is available orally, which is nice with a very, very low, very, very low safety, very high safety protocol, very low incidence of side effects with a microdosing. And for men, finasteride is another medication, obviously, that we can use very effectively to lower the DHT production in the body or specifically right at the level of the scalp. Uh, we can also use red light therapy, low level laser light has been a part of my practice for over 20 years. And that's a very common treatment to stimulate hair follicles to grow thicker and better and stronger over time. Wow. And, uh, other th treatments like regenerative medicine therapy, platelet rich plasma, TED, as I mentioned previously, exosome therapy, PDO grow. These are all things that we do in the office to try to stimulate the existing hair. But you asked what, if there's a bald spot? Yep. Mm -hmm. And so the answer is, if there's a bald spot, we have to talk about transplants. Got it. Okay. So at that point, you're at that level. But in, if you're in the process of losing, then there's things you can do to mitigate and maybe even regrow because the follicle isn't totally dead. Is that is that about right? Absolutely. Because yeah. the hair follicle miniaturization process typically takes years and years. So if we can catch the hair follicle before it's totally beyond repair, and there are some ways to figure that out by looking under the microscope. So using very, very powerful magnification, even with the help of AI powered microscopes today, we can see exactly what the hairs uh, are being produced in terms of their thickness, which is a really good indicator, their length, another good indicator, their pigmentation, uh, as well as the density in each of the different zones. So that's something that we do in the office called hair metrics, uh, very powerful AI microscope using the artificial intelligence to get all of that data. So yeah. that helps us with the diagnosis because obviously areas that are looking good, 
just need prevention. Areas that are starting to weaken, you may not even know that it's weakening out in those areas. Those need the the rejuvenating therapies and areas which are severely depleted. Well, then we're going to have to move some hair follicles around from other places to fill in the gaps. Got it. Got it. Okay. So let's go back to the the uh, LED that you're talking about or the red light therapy. Tell us a little bit more about how that is. Like what, what is this device? What does it look like? Um, and how do people utilize it? How does it help with hair follicles? Yeah. So the first thing I want to differentiate is that there's a lot of red light therapy out there in the market uh, for overall wellness. Some people use LED blankets and things like that. But what we're really talking about for hair, we need more than just what an LED provides. We need laser light. Okay. So the lasers that we use, they are laser emitting diodes, so, but they n- are not incandescent lights. So right. um, like if you've got a juve device for your house in your closet or something, um, you know, that's not going to grow your hair back very s- substantially. Um, you'll need a laser cap. And so laser caps were invented by Dr. Michael Rabin. Those are typically head-worn devices. They kind of have a shape of a dome maybe fit underneath a baseball cap traditionally. But the newer ones um, that we've worked on are a lot more portable, a lot more powerful, much shorter treatment times, and are all FDA cleared for hair regrowth. So these are units that are highly flexible. Imagine like a device that could pack completely flat, but then you curl the tips over and then you can snap it together and put it over your scalp. So it's not like a baseball helmet. It's not like a bicycle helmet um, or baseball hat, I should say. Um, but something more flexible and portable. And that's called the the turbo laser cap. Mm-hmm. And so what does that do? It provides this red light that's non-burning, non-cutting, completely side effect free. Mm-hmm. And red light affects the mitochondria that are located within the cells of the hair follicle. Mm-hmm. And so just like red lights used for rejuvenation of the skin, to decrease inflammation in an injured joint, to speed up healing after a procedure or treatment or surgery, we can use red light to stimulate those highly metabolic cell populations, which are located in the hair follicle, making beautiful, healthy hair fibers, hopefully. And so providing that extra bit of energy through ATP production, right at the level of the mitochondria is what red light therapy actually does. And you get a thicker, stronger, healthier hair. Hmm, That's awesome. With only one caveat, as we said before, if the follicle's dead and gone or beyond repair, you know, then uh, you're out of luck on that. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. And so for women, what are some of the most common causes of female pattern hair loss or not even necessarily female pattern per se, but just female hair loss in general, if it's this more yeah. systemic cause? So, yeah. So the, I would just say, uh, starting off that the female hair follicle is much more sensitive, uh, than male hair follicles to a lot of different dysregulations. So problems with nutrition, uh, issues with inflammation, uh, medications that you might be taking, hormone changes, obviously things are a lot more complicated when we talk about women and hormone optimization and and lifestyle factors very often times. So there may be more influences. Also, women do things a lot more aggressively to their hair. They might wear hair extensions more often than men. They might use chemicals on their scalp to straighten the hair, certainly to color it more often uh, than men. Uh, They may use high heat uh, on the hair fibers. So sometimes we get hair breakage. And the hair breakage has nothing to do with the hair follicle. It's just how you're treating that dead fiber. It's just like, you know, mistreating your fingernail, obviously it's, you know, not going to be good. So if you mistreat the cuticle of your hair fiber, it could lose its aesthetic value and that will not self repair. So it's really important to grow good hair from the beginning. We talked about female pattern hair loss. That isn't typically some androgen sensitivity, but it looks different in women than it does in men. 
So androgenetic alopecia in women typically doesn't create a big bald spot in the crown. It will actually just deplete diffusely through the frontal zone. And eventually you might see a little bit of a recession in the temples, mainly because the density there starts out pretty low. And so it's a more sensitive area to loss of coverage. So a woman might notice, for example, that her ponytail is shrinking, that she's got a wider part line than she used to that the hair caliber is changing so that she has to change her hairstyle. Or as I said, you know, receding hairline in the temples perhaps, and she's got to change her hairstyle to kind of cover it over to provide an aesthetic frame of the face. A lot of women are also born with a high hairline to begin with. And just simply through no uh, genetic, other, other genetic tendency or even sensitivity or other illness or dysregulation, they just have a high hairline and -hmm. they don't like the way that looks. Yeah. And so there's a lot of reasons why patients and uh, patients may come to visit us here at Bauman Medical, uh, men and women, depending yeah. on what's going on. Women also can lose their eyebrows and eyelashes mm-hmm. uh, and not to mention things that can go wrong after plastic surgery, uh, leaving you with scars or, or changes in the hairline and other things like that that need to be covered with hair. Mm-hmm. So I know that was a lot, but um, autoimmune conditions are very common. Uh, the hormone, uh, obviously, uh, dysregulation and imbalances are something that we would look at, you know, are, how's your thyroid hormone? What's going on with your, your female hormone levels? And uh, take a look at all of that. What's your nutritional intake? Are you on a special diet? You know, if you're following a restrictive diet, like even just vegetarian or specifically vegan, it's very difficult to maintain good protein intake. And if you're a little bit iron deficient or prone to that, you know, sometimes it's even worse. So you start stacking all these things together. Um, the most recent uh, trigger, I think, uh, in terms of like man-made hair loss is Ozempic or the semaglutide uh, weight loss programs, which seem to be kind of a quick fix for many people. I don't recommend it long term, um, but it can really trigger a lot of hair loss. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes sense. So um and for women, is there a difference in terms of the way that you would approach it? It sounds like it's really individualized for each individual person as far as what you do from a functional medicine standpoint. But mm-hmm. how would you go about deciding who gets what of the act, the additional actual treatments that you're talking about? So you talked about quite a variety. Sure. Uh, how do you narrow it down? Right. So, I mean, it all starts with that basic algorithm that I kind of led you through a little bit, like the background, the medical history, hair loss in the family. We might do genetic testing. And then what are the signs and symptoms that we're dealing with? And then we look at those lifestyle and holistic factors. What are the hairstyling habits? And then we talk about what are we trying to accomplish here? You know, maybe we look at the scalp and there's like all kinds of inflammation. There's dandruff or there's irritation. There's, you know, it's very oily or very dry on the other end. Um, And so, a lot of the scalp health stuff that we find has to be mitigated first because that's the soil for the plants, right? That's the garden, right? So we have to get the soil right before we work on the plants. And so sometimes patients will go through a process with my trichologist in-house to rectify that. Mm -hmm. And then we can start a more robust hair regrowth regimen. Mm -hmm. If they're local uh, and the hair loss is mild, then they may just uh, start those, uh, you know, the, um, the, the functional medicine program, get their nutrition on point. They might start with nutritionals and nutraceuticals, some of which we curate, some of them which we produce, um, you know, get that protein intake up and let's track it over time. Or they may elect for something like the TED procedures that we just talked about, which are very, you know, they're non-invasive at all. In fact, they're very relaxing on the scalp. Yeah. Or we might need to do something more aggressive, like a PRP injection uh, to get things going in the right direction. 
But again, if the follicles are dead and gone, or we have a scar, or we have an area where it's really, you know, a, a, a receding, deep receding hairline, then we might need to do some degree of transplantation, or at least plan for it sometime in the future. So uh, for the TED procedure versus the PRP, sounds like PRP is more aggressive. So uh, do you do microneedling for that, or do you do injections for that, or both? So um, the TED has none of that, obviously, which is really nice. It's just the uh, the instrument itself on the skin that vibrates and, and disrupts the stratum corneum layer, which is the moisture barrier, right? And allows us to push those uh, growth factors and peptides that literally come out of a bottle uh, into the scalp. So it's a very, very consistent process. And that's just, that's once a month for four months. Okay. And you'll see some really nice improvements in hair regrowth. Uh, thickening of the follicle, uh, thick, the lengthening of the hair, even a darkening, a repigmentation in many cases are what we're seeing, which is very, very nice. Yeah. Um, but PRP we've been doing for many, many years, 18 years of PRP treatments. Uh, we'll apply a, um, uh, we'll take a blood draw of about 60 cc's. We'll use local anesthetic while that's going on. And we're doing a dual spin to harvest out about 10 to 12 billion platelets. And it's injected into the scalp in a painless way. So it's local anesthetic, a complete scalp block, not a painful process, but it is injections. Okay. Um, my PRP process uh, finishes with a microneedling pass across the skin. We okay. do inject a calcium chloride uh, releasing agent, which basically triggers the platelets to do their business. And then I love to microneedle the skin just a little bit, just to trigger that repair process to let the platelets know, hey, we've got to do our business right here, right at the level of the scalp. And um, we also use laser light therapy before and after our PRP treatments. And very often we might even use perinatal biologics or exosome therapy in conjunction with the PRP or even some uh, synthetic scaffolds like PDO threads to put in under the skin at the same time. Okay, I'm not familiar with that. What are those PDO threads? Oh, PDO is amazing technology. Um, polydioxinone is a synthetic, slow-absorbing, used to be a suture material back in the 1980s. Um, anybody who's gone through surgery and had like a, a, a purple stitch placed into their skin or their belly knows that it lasts for about six months. Uh, so it's a very, very slow-absorbing suture material. Um, it's used in cosmetic procedures today to improve wrinkles and cellulite, sometimes to tether the skin in different ways with varying results, obviously, you know, as, uh, visit visit an expert for that kind of thing. Sure, yeah. um, but we can put those synthetic uh, tiny little threads in under the skin, just below the hair follicles. And as they absorb over the course of six to 12 months, you get a boost of hair growth. Wow, and so, so that really, it's a really exciting technology to include with PRP. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of like you're, you're stimulating blood flow based on the fact that you've got something foreign there that needs to be absorbed. Is that kind of the concept or? Well, we don't exactly know the full mechanism of action, but we do know from biopsies in the laboratory on, uh, and also even on mice that this material, first of all, is very, very inert. It doesn't create a big reaction at the level of the skin. And that's one of the reasons why it was FDA approved back in the 1980s okay. as a slow absorbing suture material. And it's used as mesh for, um, you know, for hernia operations. It's used in many, many different places, probably millions and millions of surgeries over the course of decades, obviously, and, and millions and millions of patients across the world. So it's a very, very safe material. It does not create a reaction. In fact, looking for uh, skin reactions from polydioxinone uh, are very, very rare. You can't even find them in the clinical literature. It's very difficult. Um, so it's a very safe uh, material, essentially, to use in the skin. And so it dissolves over time. I mean, maybe there's something with the enzymatic degradation uh, that the body is doing to, to kind of take care of that, that 
a little tiny thread that releases growth factors uh, and triggers the, na- the body's natural healing process, which therefore enhances hair growth in many cases. So um, doing that with the PRP and even our PRP alone, you're, we're going to have about 10 to 14 months of boost from a single treatment instead of a, a series of three or four or five or every month coming in for a therapy. Got it. Got it. And so all of the things that you've just listed, it sounds like you do a lot of like stacking of different types of therapeutics. If somebody has like micro follicles, for, for example, like they're, they're smaller than they should be, will this cause them to become more robust or more like more dense hair growth or what exact, or do you just, ex- do you expect it at the microscopic level to change? Sure. So, you know, when we look at the scalp under the microscope, as I mentioned before, there's a whole gradation, a whole spectrum of how good the hair could be, right? The best, best hair is like thick, like an oak tree and, and, you know, and, and, and tall as a sequoia, right? Um, but as you go weaker and wispier, then, you know, that tree becomes thinner and shorter over time and actually less pigmented. You can see right through it. So um, we go from a, in many cases, a very, very, very thick hair that would normally live around the sides and the back of the scalp to a super thin wispy hair that we would see perhaps in the temples or in the thinning zone uh, near the frontal area. And so if the follicle is beyond repair, we're going to let you know that. But if it's just miniaturized, then there's a great opportunity to trigger regrowth. And a lot of our choices may have to do with your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a busy college student may opt for a PRP treatment because it's a set it and forget it therapy. You know, for the year, he's good. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to worry about topicals or using a laser in his dorm room or something like that. Okay. Um, you know, a busy CEO, um, same thing. Uh, for our, for our women, you know, who are, you know, busy at work and doing their things, you know, uh, you know, PRP is a great treatment, especially when there's a lot of weak hair. Sure. But then again, we're very realistic. We know, um, after a certain period of time, we're not going to see much more results from the PRP. So what's happening? Have we stabilized the situation? We've improved it quite a bit, but we need, still need more hair. Well, then it's time for the follicular unit extraction transplant process. And, uh, and that's changed a lot over the years. Okay. So, and how has that changed? How has hair transplant kind of evolved? Wow. So in the 25 years that I've been in the field of hair transplantation, it's changed light years. So years ago, we were stuck with only what we call strip harvesting. So we would have to take a strip of skin out of the back of the scalp and suture or staple it closed, and then use that tissue, that donor tissue, and dissect it under the microscope into individual grafts. which contains small groups of hairs. But today we now have instruments that are smaller than the tip of a ballpoint pen, which allow us to extract the follicles directly from the donor zone. That's where the hairs are good and redistribute them into the thinning or the balding areas in a very comfortable process, uh, in a very repeatable process and in a completely natural way that has a super fast and comfortable recovery. So we're not dealing with a linear scar or stitches or staples or some, you know, staying out of the gym for a month. Forget about all that. You could be back in the gym in three days after this procedure um, and completely healed in six days. Wow. That's amazing. So, yeah. and it used to be, I think at least as, as I've seen some of the old, older pictures that hair transplants were sometimes fairly obvious that they had been, you know, that they'd had a graft or something. But it sounds like that, that's a whole lot more natural looking, I would assume, right? So back in the 80s and 90s, when the grafts were much larger, either they were taken out using a big, larger punch, like the size of a pencil eraser, you had these pluggy looking, you know, now Barbie doll hairs, you know, and it's a, you know, it's a Barbie summer. So we got to talk about Barbie. Um, (laughs) So not, no longer are you going to have that Barbie doll look. Uh, We're using as little as a single hair follicle, but more importantly than that, 
is the artistry involved with the transplant. Mm-hmm. And that's the key to the whole thing. The design, the, the shape of the hairline, you know, for women, it's not just this like semicircle around the face. It's a, it's a curve and it recedes and then it bulges and it recedes back. And there's changes in hair, di- hair direction that are nuanced mm-hmm. and difficult to appreciate unless you've studied it. Mm-hmm. And so female hairlines are very intricate and I take a lot of pride in creating female hairlines that look beautiful mm-hmm. and natural and completely undetectable. Mm-hmm. And then post-surgery, what you, you mentioned that people can be right back in the gym or right immediately afterwards. What do they need to do in order to nurture? I mean, when you, when you transplant a plant from one pot to another, you got to kind of be careful for a little while is what's the process look like? Yeah. So, so the grafted area, let's just say the recipient zone, whether it's a hairline or an eyebrow or even eyelashes or some scar that you have, uh, it's fragile. So you have to be careful with that area, no friction or trauma, uh, unless we're doing under direct guidance here in the office. So many patients will come in once a day after their procedure until they're completely healed. So that first week you might be visiting us if you're here in town. Uh, if you're going home, then you're going to use a no friction washing protocol and you're going to have an entire healing kit that we provide. So these are ointments, sprays, lotions, and so forth, not only just to keep you comfortable, but also to accelerate the healing from the process that we've done. Cool. So what have I not asked you that you want to make sure you leave with our audience? Oh my gosh. Well, um, we did cover a lot, I guess, you know, sometimes when you're struggling with hair loss out there, you know, you tend to look for that magic vitamin or, you know, some, some super shampoo or something like that. And unfortunately that can be very distracting because there's literally thousands and thousands of things that are out there on the market that are geared towards people with thinning hair. And I'll be the first to tell you that, look, you know, nutrition and hair care is certainly important, uh, for its aesthetic value and to provide enough nutrients and fuel for the hair follicle. But if you're really struggling with hair loss, you might need to look deeper. And so sometimes it's not so easy to find a board certified hair restoration physician. And that's why, you know, I I often get invited on uh, interviews and podcasts to be able to spread the word because there usually isn't a local hair transplant surgeon or board certified hair restoration physician with a holistic and well-rounded approach, or even one that treats men and women uh, in your local neighborhood. Right. And so uh, that's why 50% of our patients do connect with us first virtually oh, online. Yeah. And so uh, I guess I would just encourage any listener, anybody in the sound of my voice, if you're struggling with hair loss or you know somebody who is, uh, you know, pass the information along that, mm-hmm. uh, that there is hope and help and that it's, it's, we're well beyond the snake oil age. We're well beyond the hair plug, uh, you know, era of hair restoration and treatments and procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only caveat I guess would say, you know, just be careful out there in terms of medical tourism. You don't want to be traveling, you know, to distant lo- lands where they don't have regulations and protocols and cleanliness and, you know, things to get you a great result, not, and, and things could, that could put you in danger in your, in your life. So, uh, so there, there is, uh, you know, there is some nuance to finding, uh, physicians out there, but, uh, you know, being board certified and, and having, uh, experience and expertise and focusing exclusively on hair restoration to me is the way to go. And that's, that's what's built my practice over time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And where can people go to learn more about you? Yeah. So if there are, if you're out there and you're struggling with hair loss, uh, certainly baumanmedical.com, B-A-U-M-A-N medical.com. I've written over uh, literally thousands of pages of information over the past 25 years in my practice and, and applied it there. You'll see videos and 
frequently asked questions about hair loss in men and women, children even, uh, and all the other things that we do to help improve people's lives through maintaining, enhancing, and restoring, you know, their own living and growing hair. And so that's the place to go. You can request a consultation if you're done watching the videos and, and seeing what we do, or, or follow me on social media and slide into the DMs there if you've got a question. Uh, I do answer all of my own uh, uh, direct messages and private messages on, on all the social media channels that you can imagine. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bauman. This has been very informative. Really appreciate your time. All right, Lauren. Well, it's been great to be with you. Thank you. For Are you looking for a holistically minded healthcare practitioner who truly treats root cause rather than symptom suppression? Unfortunately, even in the alternative healing professions, this isn't a given. That's why I've created wholehealthdoctor.com, a resource to help connect patients to healthcare practitioners in their area who share a root cause philosophy. Alternatively, most of the practitioners listed also practice telehealth. So if there isn't anyone local to you, you can still find a great practitioner to help you regain optimal health. Go to wholehealthdoctor.com. That's whole healthdr.com, type in your location or adjust the specialty that you're looking for and find the practitioner who's right for you. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you, so please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren Deville. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.